Good morning to you and welcome to our services here at Mount Zion. We are so thankful for all of you joining us this morning to uh, dive into the Word of God together and see what the Lord has for us. God promises in His Word uh, that where two or three are gathered, He will be in the midst. So however, wherever we are gathering this morning, um, we know that God has the ability and is able to do exactly what He's promised uh, to meet with us. So that's my prayer and I'm hoping and praying that each and every one of us have readied our hearts and we're ready to receive what the Lord has for us. I promise you, God has something for you if you come with open hearts and open minds ready to receive uh, what he has. So if you haven't been praying for these services, you haven't been praying for me, I ask that you start now. I desire your prayers. We need your prayers. We want to see what the Lord has for us today. I've got just a few announcements that I need to make to you before we go on into these services and get into our time of worship. First of all, uh, because of the countywide current quarantine in Marion County, excuse me, where we live, um, we will not be having corporate services here through April the 17th. Now, after April the 17th, we'll uh, discuss then what's the next course of action, what we need to take, and I'm hoping and I'm praying and I'm planning to be back in service April the 19th, and I ask that you be praying for that as well, uh, but that's what we're doing right now. Now, we will be live streaming our services weekly. Uh, we'll be live streaming uh, Sunday mornings at 11, and we'll also be uh, having Wednesday night Bible study at 6. So you can join us on Facebook Live, uh, SoundCloud, um, also on Instagram. There's a whole lot of different media outlets you can get our services, and we encourage you to do that. So remember, through April 17th, no corporate services here. Uh, but we'll be live streaming and we ask for your prayers at these times. Also, some have asked how they can support our ministry through tithes and offerings with us not being uh, in services here at, at the church. And so um, if you would like to support this ministry with your tithes and offerings, you can send them to our church's P.O. Box. It's P.O. Box 307, Hamilton, Alabama 35570. And we want to thank you for supporting what God is doing right here at Mount Zion. Um, our mission remains the same. Our mission is to preach the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ across the street and around the world as God gives us opportunity. Uh, and if you would like to be a part of that, we encourage you to do so, first of all, through your prayers, but also through your finances. And you can send those um, if you feel led to do so. So remember that. And uh, again, be much in prayer for what's going on in our church and in our community uh, and in our world. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. We're going to then um, just have a time of worship. And I want to encourage you this morning, if you're sitting at home in your living room with your family, uh, take the opportunity that's given to enter into his courts with thanksgiving. And that's what we're about to do. Brother Scott is going to lead us in a time of worship and worship wherever you are, for he alone is worthy. Let's pray together. Father, we love you and we thank you, Lord, for who you are. For what you've done, we're asking, Lord Jesus, right now, that you would do your work that only you are capable of. We're praying that you would have your way and your will in these services, that, Lord, you would speak to me and speak through me. Lord, you would use this time to accomplish your will in the hearts and lives of people. Lord, may we lift you up above everything else. Because your word tells us, if we lift you up, You'll draw all men into yourself. Thank you for who you are, for what you've done. In Jesus' mighty name we pray and for your sake.
I want to thank you that you've made me a part of your family, Lord, and Lord, how, how special that is. Thank you for allowing me the privilege and opportunity of standing before an open Bible and preaching your truth. I'm asking, Lord, that you be with me in this time of presentation as you've been with me in my time of preparation. I'm asking that you would use me as your vessel. Fill me up, Lord Jesus. Holy Spirit, by your power, work on me, work in me, and work through me, and then pour me out into the lives of people that's going to be hearing what thus says the Lord today. God, use this message to speak to hearts, to change lives. Use your word to do what only your word can do by your power. God, I'm asking you to show us what to do when we don't know what to do. In Jesus' mighty name, we do pray and for your sake. Amen. When we find uh, where we're at this morning in 2 Chronicles chapter number 20, the people of Israel, the people of God, have actually been um, divided into two separate kingdoms. They've been divided into the northern kingdom, uh, the kingdom of Israel. They've been divided into the southern kingdom, the kingdom of Judah. And Jehoshaphat, the man that's praying, the king that's praying in verse number 12, is the king of the southern kingdom. Now, I want you to notice one thing about Jehoshaphat, and we're not going to have time to go back and look at his backstory this morning during this message, but I want to encourage you to go back during your quiet time this week and see for yourself who Jehoshaphat really is. I want you to know he's a good king, and he's a good king because he is a godly king. You'll find in Second uh, Chronicles chapter number 19 that under the rule of Jehoshaphat, God sent a great revival. God sent a revival among his people where they experienced a great time of blessing, peace, and prosperity. And then right on the heels of Second Corinthians or Chronicles chapter 19, we have Second Chronicles chapter 20. Right on the heels of this great time of blessing, peace, and prosperity, in 2 Chronicles chapter 20, we find Jehoshaphat facing a great problem. And that's the first point that I want to make to you this morning in this message, the problem that Jehoshaphat encountered. Look with me in 2 Chronicles chapter 20 and verse number 1. It came to pass after this also that the children of Moab, the children of Ammon, and with them the others besides the Ammonites, which were the Munites, came against Jehoshaphat to battle. The Bible says there were three armies that joined together and came against Jehoshaphat. Verse 2, someone brings him word. Then there came some that told Jehoshaphat, saying, There cometh a great multitude <coughs> excuse me, against thee from beyond the sea, this side of Syria, and behold, they be in Hazahan Tamar, which is in Gedi, in Gedi. And so the Bible's telling us Jehoshaphat and the people of God are faced with a very big problem. Now, I want to tell you something, folks. There's two things you need to see under this first point. I want you to know, as far as problems go, everybody's got them. Everybody experiences them. Each and every one of us, whether you be a believer or a non-believer, whether you've trusted in Jesus or you've not trusted in Jesus, you're going to face problems in your life. The Lord has allowed me the great privilege of being a pastor now. Uh, for about 20 years. And I want you to know if there's one thing I've learned about being a pastor is that there's a problem in every pew and there's a problem in every pew pul or pulpit. All of us have problems. All of us deal with the stuff of life. All of 
us go through hardships. And just like Jehoshaphat, this good man, this godly man who followed closely to the Lord, whom God used in a fantastic way, he still had problems just as we have problems. Now let me give you something that the Bible says in the New Testament. I know a lot of people say you shouldn't uh, spend a whole lot of time with the Old Testament. We need to be a New Testament church. Well folks, I don't know how you can be an effective New Testament church if you don't know what God does in His people in the Old Testament. The Bible says that all of the stories that we have in the Old Testament scriptures are for an example for us. See, what we're reading about with the story of Jehoshaphat in 2 Chronicles chapter 20 is an Old Testament example of the New Testament victory that we have in Jesus. And man, what a, what a blessing it truly is. If we can see the example of how God dealt with the problem Jehoshaphat faced, we can also see how that same God can and will deal with the problems we face today. It's an example for us. All of us have problems. That's one thing that you need to see under this first point. But I also want you to know, listen to me very plainly, God uses those problems to accomplish His purpose. God can and does use the problems that He allows into our lives. For the believer, I heard Dr. Adrian Rogers say once upon a time, problems for the believer are simply blessings in disguise. I love that. And he's right about that. Let me tell you why he's right. Because that's what God's Word teaches. Keep your place there in 2 Chronicles chapter 20. And I want to share with you a very powerful verse in James chapter number 1. Watch what the Bible tells us. James chapter 1. Starting with verse number one, James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. And here's a man who's serving Jesus. Here's a man who's serving the Lord. Here's a man who is a good man. He's a godly man. A man like Jehoshaphat even. Um, and look, look what he tells us. To the twelve tribes which are scattered abroad greeting. Then he says in verse two, my brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations. Now that word temptations there is actually translated trials. What he's saying is, count it all joy when you fall into diverse problems, trials, tribulations. And he tells us why we should count it all joy. He says in verse 3, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. As God allows problems into our lives that tries our faith, it works patience. Then he tells us something in verse 4 that blesses my soul. But let patience have her perfect work, that you may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. I don't know of one person that's ever been perfect and entire, wanting nothing, and that's none other than the Lord Jesus. So what's James promising us? James is telling us we can count it joy when different problems come into our life, because it's through that problem we learn patience to wait on the Lord. And as we learn to wait on the Lord and trust in the Lord, we become more more and more and more like Jesus, perfect and entire, wanting nothing. So these problems that we face truly are blessings in disguise. They really are. It was true for Jehoshaphat, and it's true for us. God uses the problems we have, and everybody has, has problems, each and every one of us. We need to see the problem Jehoshaphat encountered in the first two verses, but we also need to see the purpose that Jehoshaphat practices. Look what it says, Second Chronicles, Chronicles, excuse me, chapter number 20, verse number 3. And Jehoshaphat feared and set himself to seek the Lord. Let's see if we can find the purpose here. He says that he feared, I think this means he feared God, and 
He actually had some fear of the enemy that was coming his way, both. But he says, Jehoshaphat feared and set himself to seek the Lord. So what's his purpose? I, I think we ought to, man, underline that in your Bible. Put a star by it, circle it, do something. The purpose that Joseph, Joseph, Jehoshaphat had was to seek God in the midst of the problem that he faced. That's very important that we, we need to realize in the problems that we face as the people of God, our purpose needs to be to seek the Lord, to look to Him, to trust Him, to keep our eyes upon Him. The Bible says Jehoshaphat seek the Lord, but how did he seek the Lord? Well, it tells us, and he proclaimed a fast throughout all Judah. And Judah gathered themselves together to ask help of the Lord. Even out of all the cities of Judah, they came to seek the Lord. I love this. He had a purpose. His purpose was to seek the Lord. But how did he practice that purpose? He practiced that purpose by, uh, listen, praying and fasting under the Lord in the midst of his problem. Are you seeing this? Let me tell you something, child of God. We know that prayer changes things. We know that God is able. We know that God can do what we can't do. We know the power of God is released upon our situation, whatever it is, when we choose to pray and to fast. If there's ever been a time that we need to pray and to fast as the people of God to put our purpose, which is to seek Him, into practice, which is to pray and fast. If there's ever been a time that we need to do that, it's right now. It's right now. And so, listen, I want to do what God's Word says, and as you pass through Mount Zion, I'm calling upon you for prayer and fasting. I don't know how you want to do this. You can you can pray and fast however you choose to. That's between you and the Lord. But every Friday is going to be my fast day. I'm going to fast on Fridays and I'm going to pray daily that God does what only He can do in the midst of this great problem that we face. We're just going to trust God. We're going to look to the Lord. We're going to seek Him. We're going to trust Him. We're going to believe Him. We're going to ask Him to do what only He can do. The Bible says we have not because we ask not. So let's join Jehoshaphat and pray in the midst of our problem. Let's pray and fast and do what God has called us to do. Now let me encourage you to do this though. Listen to me. One thing that I noticed here in 2 Chronicles chapter number 20 is Jehoshaphat didn't try everything else and then pray. When he heard of the problem that was coming, he started praying then. It wasn't the last thing he did, it's the first thing he did. Let me tell you what I fear happens many times, because, and, I, and I fear it happens for everyone because it happens for me from time to time in my walk with the Lord. Prayer and seeking God is like a spare tire. You never need a spare tire until you have a flat, and so it stays in the trunk until... You, you can't, don't have any other way but to use it. You can't get out of the fix you're in except you open up the trunk and get out the spur. That's sometimes how we use prayer when we try everything else in our own power. When we try to do it our way and our ability, then we choose to pray when all else fails. That ain't what Jehoshaphat did. Jehoshaphat prayed first. Let me tell you what that means. He wasn't using prayer as his spare time. 
He's using prayer as a steering wheel. Now listen to me, child of God. That's what I want to encourage you to do during this time of trouble, during this time of trial, during this time of problems that we all face. Use prayer. Seek God as a first resort, not as a last resort. Seek the Lord. Listen, let that be your steering wheel, not your spare tire. Jehoshaphat encountered a problem. Then we need to see the purpose Jehoshaphat practices. And number three, we also need to see the past Jehoshaphat remembered. Everybody look with me in 2 Chronicles chapter 20, starting in verse number 5. Watch this. And Jehoshaphat stood in the congregation of Judah and Jerusalem in the house of the Lord before the new court. And he said, O Lord God of our fathers, art not thou God in heaven? And rulest not thou over all the kingdoms of the heathen? And in thine hand is not power and might, so that none is able to stand against thee. Art not thou our God, who didst drive out the inhabitants of this land before thy people Israel, and gavest it to the seed of Abraham, thy friend forever? Now let me tell you what Jehoshaphat's doing. He's remembering his past. We need to see the past Jehoshaphat remembered, because that's very important for us. Jehoshaphat realized the God who brought him through yesterday will and can bring him through today. Problems, listen to me, that God fixes in our past gives us courage to face the problems we have today. Problems that God overcame yesterday gives us courage to face whatever it is we face in our present. We need to understand, listen, God has not changed. If he did it before, praise God, he can do it again. And there's so many people talking about right now what's going to happen with the United States of America. Have we ever faced anything like the crisis we have faced right now? Absolutely we have. You might remember a little thing called World War One, World War Two, and the Great Depression. You might remember everything since then and before then that God by his providence and God by his power has continually brought us through. You say, well, does that mean he's going to bring us through this one? I don't know. But I do know this. If we choose to seek the Lord, if we choose to turn our face to heaven, if we choose to repent of our sin and seek God for who he is, not just what he can do, I can promise you this, the same God who has brought us through as a nation before can and will bring us through as a nation today. Now, that's only true collectively as a nation, as a people, but it's also true individually. Now I look back in my life at the many problems God has brought me through. I look back in my life and see how God has used those troubles and trials that I didn't understand then to do a great work in my life. Now I look back and see how God brought me through and that gives me courage to face the problems today. I think in the word of God, the same is true. Now look at Daniel. The Bible says he got through in a den full of hungry lions. Now, how many of you know, if Daniel had never got thrown in the lion's den, he'd have never known that God could bring him out of the lion's den. But I believe this, once God did bring him out, I don't think there was anything that Daniel would be afraid of. If God can bring him through that big problem, he can bring him through the next problem. Are you getting what I'm saying? 
I look at the Apostle Paul. The Bible says in the book of Acts chapter number 16 that he was thrown into a Philippian jail. And the Bible says many stripes were laid upon him and Silas's back and they threw him in the dungeon. And then the Bible tells us at midnight he sang praise unto the Lord. And as him and Silas were singing praise unto God, the Bible says that God sent a great earthquake that shook the bars loose in the prison. He was freed of his chains. He was freed from the dungeon. And God came through for him in a fantastic way. Now listen, if he had never got thrown into the prison, he would have never known that God could get him out of the prison. These problems that God helps us overcome in our past gives us courage for the problems we face today. Remember your past. Remember where God's brought you from. And listen, if God can do it then, he has not changed. The Bible says Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, tomorrow, and forever. The same Jesus that saved me had the same Jesus that has the power to keep me. So I praise him. I trust him. Just like Jehoshaphat. We need to see. Remember the past and how God has brought us through before. If he's brought us through before, he brings us through again. Notice the problem that Jehoshaphat encountered. Notice also the practice, or excuse me, the purpose that he practiced. Number three, notice the past that Jehoshaphat remembered. Number four, let me give you this one. This starts in verse number eight, the promise Jehoshaphat claimed. Look at verse number eight, watch this. And they dwelt therein, meaning the people of God. The land that God had promised them, he gave them, the land of Canaan. They dwelt in it, the Bible says, and they have built thee a sanctuary therein for thy name, saying, If when evil comes upon us as a sword, judgment, or pestilence, or famine, we stand before this house and in thy presence, for thy name is in this house. I love that. Then he tells us, And crawl unto thee in our affliction. Then thou wilt hear and help. And now behold the children of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir, whom thou wouldst not let Israel invade, whom they came out of the land of Egypt, but they turned from them and destroyed them not. Behold, I say, they have rewarded us to come to cast us out of thy possession, whom thou hast given us to inherit. Listen, we need to see this morning the promise Jehoshaphat claimed. What's he saying? He's bringing the promises of God back to the Lord. He's reminding God of what he once promised to his chosen people. He said, God, this is the land you gave us. This is the land you promised us. This is the land you helped us to conquer by your power as you drove out all the Canaanites when we came into Canaan. God, this is the land, the promised land, You've given us. And now these people are coming to take it. And you said that if we would come before you. And we would ask. When people. And pestilence. And problems come against us. If you. If we'd ask you'd hear us. And so Lord we're we're, we're reminding you of your promise. That's what Jehoshaphat's doing. Listen to me. If we are going to pray. Powerfully. We must pray the promises of God. That's what he's doing right here. And that's what you need to do. Let me tell you why that's important. 
Because you get, first of all, you've got to understand the nature of God, who He is. The Bible says, for those who've placed their faith in Jesus, for those who've been born again into God's family by faith in Christ, now God is your Heavenly Father. And God being our Heavenly Father loves perfectly. God being our Heavenly Father knows what we have need of before we know what we have need of. God being our Heavenly Father promises to hear our prayer. 1 John 5, 14 says, being confident of this very thing, that if we ask anything in accordance to God's will, He hears us. God hears His children. Why? Because He's a loving Heavenly Father. He's a loving Heavenly Father for you and for me. A blessing. Now, when we come before him in prayer, it's good for us to remind him of his promise. This works. Let me tell you how I know this works because I'm a father myself. I'm not perfect like God the Father's perfect. And I don't love perfectly like he loves perfectly, but I do love my kids. I love them as much as a man can. And so if I who love my kids unperfectly can understand how them get bringing my promises back to me works in our relationship between me and my children, then how much more does a perfect heavenly father who loves perfectly, how much more would he keep the promise he's made to us? Let me tell you what I mean. I got a little girl who loves to remind me of the promises I've made. She loves to camp. I mean, absolutely loves camping. Matter of fact, last year, because we're so busy, because we're so swamped with everything all the time, we didn't do near as much camping as what we once did. And so she, she asked me, continue, Daddy, when are we going camping? When are we going camping? When are we going camping? And I keep telling her, honey, we're going to go just as soon. I promise we'll go just as soon as we have a minute. Well, last week, because we all kind of were quarantined at the house and had nowhere to go or nothing to do. The first thing she said when she came to me was, Daddy, you said we was going to go camping when we have time. And she's right. I didn't make that promise. Let me tell you something. I promise you, whenever all this is over and the first chance we get, I'm going to keep the promise to my little girl. You can tell you why? Because I love her. And I want her to know that she can trust what daddy says. Now, let's apply that to our relationship with God the Father. God has promised us a lot of things. As a matter of fact, Paul said in the book of 1 Corinthians that all the promises to the people of faith are yea and amen to those in Christ Jesus. All the promises of God that we see on the face of Scripture, we can and we should claim because God is able to keep his promise. loves us. And he wants us to know we can trust him. And so when we pray, let's remind him of the promises that he's made. Let me give you just a few. Hebrews chapter 13. One of my favorite, verse number 5. It's based upon Joshua 1.9. You remember in our study of Joshua in the last few months here at the church we've been talking about claiming Canaan, what that means for us. But Joshua 1.9 is quoted by the writer of Hebrews in Hebrews 13.5. It says that God will never leave us nor forsake us. You know what that means? In good times, God's with us. 
In bad times, God's with us. In times of prosperity, God's with us. In times of problems, God's with us. He's God on the mountain, yes, but he's also God in the valley. God never leaves his children. I claim that promise, and you should too. So when you feel all alone, when you feel like no one's there, when you feel far away from God, remind God of his promise and say, Lord, you tell me you'll never leave me and never forsake me. I need to be aware of your presence in my life right now. I pray that every Sunday morning. God, you tell me you'll never leave me. You'll never forsake me. I need to be aware of your presence now. I need your presence. I need your power so that I might accomplish your purpose and will for my life. Don't just pray it on Sunday. You pray it every day. Remind God of his promise. Let me give you another one, a great one. Especially in the time that we live in right now. Philippians 4, 19. The Apostle Paul says, My God, my God, shall supply all my needs according to his riches and glory. Some of you watching right now have lost your job this week and you're wondering what's going to happen. Where do you go from here? You've got a big problem in your life. Let me tell you something. Trust in God's promises. Pray God's promise back to himself. Listen, if he says he will supply your need, remind him of that and trust him in that. I've come to find out. God is my Jehovah Jireh, the Lord who provides. He's able to meet my needs according to his riches. Let me give you another one. The Bible says, Philippians 1, 6, But my God, who hath begun this good work in me, I'm confident that he will perform it under the day of Jesus Christ. What God started, praise God, is going to finish. You need to get a hold of these promises. Remind God of these promises. Just like Jehoshaphat did. Jehoshaphat claimed the promise God gave. And we need to do, we must do the same thing when we come to the Lord in prayer. Now what a blessing it is. To be able to come to God in prayer as his children. Do you realize this morning that you have access to your heavenly father whenever you choose to enter into his presence. Hebrews 4.16 says it like this. We can come boldly to the throne of grace to find help in our time of need. Do you have a time of need right now? I think all of us do. We're in the midst of a problem. Listen to me. You can find help at the throne of grace. And as a child of God, you can come boldly into God's presence. What an amazing truth. What an amazing promise. I'm reminded of a story about Abraham Lincoln that I heard years ago. The story goes like this, that when Abraham Lincoln was in the, in the White House, they had several guards that were guarding the street guarding the gate going into the White House and then guarding the, uh, the uh, doors, the two big double doors that went into the White House and its entrance. And so there were guards everywhere trying to make sure to protect the president and his family. And one of the Secret Service agents was standing at the main door of the White House. It was his first day on the job. He was trying to do a good job, wanted to do a good job. And 
He was standing looking from the White House doors out to uh, Pennsylvania Avenue, directly in front of it. And there was a little boy that came rounding the sidewalk and, and came through the front gate to the White House there, ran up the walkway, passing all the guards as he was coming up the walk. He passed the two at the at the gate. He passed the two that, that were there at the walkway, those that are out on the road. And then he ran right up to the White House doors. And a little boy, being fast on his feet, got past the guard before he could get to him and ran right through the White House double doors, headed straight up to where President Lincoln was. And so the Secret Service agent, being new on the job, wanting to do a good job, wanting to protect the president, ran as fast as he could after the little boy. And the little boy burst into President Lincoln's office, and he gets in there, and the Secret Service agent right behind him, and he says, Sir, I'm so sorry. I tried to stop him at the door, but he just, he's just too fast for me. President Lincoln smiled and said, Son, I will tell you something. You never have to stop this little boy. He can come in my office whenever he chooses to come in my office. You see, this little boy is my son. He can come to me whenever he chooses to come to me. Let me tell you something. You have a heavenly father that's even more powerful than the president of the United States. He's the king of kings. He's the Lord of lords. He's the omnipotent God of the universe. And the Bible says we can come boldly to the throne of grace. And when you come, bring the promises of God with you. Jehoshaphat encountered a problem. Jehoshaphat put his purpose into practice. You need to realize the past that Jehoshaphat uh, remembered. He saw that what God had done before, God can do again. You need to know the promise Jehoshaphat claimed, but let me give you another one. You need to know the powerlessness that Jehoshaphat experienced. What do I mean by this? I think this hits us right where we live today. Verse number 12 of 2 Chronicles chapter 20. The Bible says, O our God, wilt thou not judge them? For we have no, no might against this great company that cometh against us. Neither know we what to do. Anybody else felt like that in the last two weeks? I'm going to be honest with you. I feel like that this morning. I'm preaching to an empty church. First time I've ever done that. And, and, the, and the truth is, uh, it's, it's, it's like, um, I'm, I'm praying just like Jehoshaphat. Lord, I don't know what to do. Some of you have been laid off from your workplace this week and you're maybe thinking, Lord, I don't know what to do. As parents who love your children and try to protect them from what's going on in the world right now, maybe you're thinking, Lord, I don't know what to do. I've been there. We are there. Jehoshaphat had a problem so big, he did not have the power to do anything about it. He couldn't fix it. That's why he says, he says, for we have no might against this great company. There's nothing in my power I can do to fix this problem. And that's exactly where we are right now as a nation. That's where we are as a church. That's where you are in your family. We don't know what to do. So we got to ask ourselves, we got to get a hold of this truth. Listen, what do we do when we don't know what to do? Jehoshaphat said at the end of this verse, verse number 12, but our eyes are upon thee. God, I don't know what to do. 
but I'm going to keep my eyes on you. Walking by faith is not knowing what you're going to face in the future, but trusting God in the present, being willing to follow Him. Keeping our eyes upon the Lord. Jehoshaphat is simply doing in 2 Chronicles chapter 20 what the writer of the book of Hebrews told us to do in Hebrews 12.2. Hebrews 12.2 says that we ought to look unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. Keep your eyes upon Jesus. I don't know what to do. I really don't, but I know what I'm going to do. As a child of God, I'm going to keep my eyes on Jesus. Let me tell you why. Because the same Jesus that I read about on the pages of Scripture is the same Jesus that is able to bring me through whatever I face today. See, if Jesus can speak to blinded eyes and then be open, listen, nothing is too big for Him. If Jesus can speak to the waves and then be calm, nothing is too big for Him. If Jesus can call Lazarus forth from the grave, nothing is too big for Him. John chapter 1 and verse number 1 says there was nothing made that was made unless it was made by the Word. Unless it was made by Jesus. He is God. He was with God. And there wasn't anything made that was made unless it was made by Jesus. And so if Jesus is able to speak the worlds into existence as the King of kings and the Lord of lords, then I'm just going to keep my eyes on Him. Because He hadn't changed. Jehoshaphat said, I don't know what to do. I'm going to keep my eyes on you. What Jehoshaphat did in 2 Chronicles chapter 20, Peter failed in on the Sea of Galilee. Peter's walking out there on the water to meet the Lord. The Bible says he took his eyes off Jesus and put him on the wind because the wind was blowing and the waves were boisterous and the lightning was crashing and the rain was falling. He took his eyes off Jesus and put it on his surrounding circumstances. And at that moment, he began to sink. Keep your eyes on Jesus. When you see the powerlessness that Jehoshaphat experienced, I I'm certainly have experienced that this week in my life. You also need to see the protection that Jehoshaphat realizes. Look at verse 14. Then upon Jehaziel, the son of Zechariah, the son of Benai, the son of Jeel, the son of Madanai, the Levite, the sons of Asaph, came the Spirit of the Lord in the midst of the congregation. I love this. The Spirit of God came upon this brother. And look what he says. Look at verse number 15. And he said, Hearken ye all Judah, and ye inhabitants of Jerusalem, and thou King Jehoshaphat, thus saith the Lord unto you, Be not afraid nor dismayed by reason of this great multitude, for the battle is not yours, the battle is the Lord. Jehoshaphat, by the Spirit of God, speaking to and speaking through a man there in the congregation, realized the protection he had from God above. I don't know about you, but that excites me a little bit. How many times have you ever um, been in, in Sunday school or in a worship service, or maybe you've been riding down the road in your car, and through a message or through a song someone's singing, God, the Holy Spirit, uses that person to speak directly to you, to show you how much God loves you, to show you what the truth of God's Word really means, to show you who God is in the midst of your problem. 
That's what happens right here. And through the power of the Spirit of God working in and on and through this man, Jehoshaphat and the people realize God's protection for them. Verse 16. Tomorrow go you down against them. Behold, they come up out of the cliff of Ziz, and you shall find them at the end of the brook before the wilderness of Jehurel. You shall not need, need to fight this battle. Set yourselves, stand ye still, and see the salvation of the Lord with you, O Judah and Jerusalem. Fear not, nor be dismayed. Tomorrow go out against them, for the Lord will be with you. Oh, God's with you. As he was with them, he's with us. He promises to protect us. That doesn't mean that we're not going to have problems because we will. That doesn't mean that uh, we're not going to face the same things the world faces because we will. But what it does mean when we do face our problems, God is with us. And in that we can rest. In that we can keep moving forward. We need to see the protection Jehoshaphat realizes without the next thing that's so vitally important for all of us, we also need to see the praise Jehoshaphat and the people freely give. Watch. Verse 18. And Jehoshaphat bowed his head with his face to the ground, and all Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem fell before the Lord, worshiping the Lord. I'm so thankful that in good times or bad, we can worship God. In good times or in bad, we should worship God because He's still God. You say, brother, I don't feel like worshiping God right now. You don't know what's going on with me. You don't know what's happened this week. You don't know what I'm feeling. Listen, regardless of your feelings, God is still worthy. If you wait till you feel like worshiping God, you're going to miss out on some great opportunities to worship the Lord. Don't let your feelings dictate and determine your worship. Verse 19, and the Levites, the children of the uh, Kohathites, the children of the Korites, stood up to praise the Lord God of Israel with a loud voice on high. All of them were worshiping and praising the Lord. And they rose up early in the morning and went forth into the wilderness of Tekoa. And as they went forth, Jehoshaphat stood and said, Hear me, O Judah, and ye inhabitants of Jerusalem. Believe in the Lord your God, so shall you be established. Believe his prophets, so shall you prosper. And when he had consulted with the people, he appointed singers unto the Lord that they should praise the beauty of holiness. I love that. They go praise God. And all they went out before the army and to say, Praise the Lord for his mercy endures forever. And when they began to sing and to praise the Lord, set ambushments against the children of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir. When the people began to praise, God started doing the work in the battle. God started fixing the problem. Watch. And they were come against Judah and they were smitten. For the children of Ammon and Moab stood up against the inhabitants of Mount Seir utterly to slay and destroy them. And when they had made an end of the inhabitants of Seir, everyone helped to destroy another. That means God took those armies coming against his people, coming against Jehoshaphat, turned them against themselves, and won the battle by his power. Praise is powerful. Praise sets your eyes on the Lord. Praise is calmly for the people of God because the Lord is worthy. 
regardless of what we find ourselves. He's worthy. You see, Jesus died for my sins. God the Father put his son on a cross to pay for my wrongs so that I may be made right. He took my death and gave me his life. So let me tell you something. If he never does one more thing for me, he's done enough now for me to praise him throughout all eternity. I'm not going to wait till I feel like it. I'm not going to wait till it's convenient. I'm not going to wait until everything is hunky-dory and hallelujah because that's very seldom. It's like that. We're always going to face problems. But in the midst of my problem, I can. And I will. I choose to praise. And you should as well. The Bible then says, verse 24, when Judah came toward the watchtower of the wilderness, they looked under the multitude, and behold, there were dead bodies fallen on the earth, and none escaped. And when Jehoshaphat and his people came to take away the spoil of them, they found among them in abundance both riches and dead bodies and precious jewels, which they stripped off for themselves more than they could carry away. And there were three days in gathering of the spoil. It was so much. Let me tell you what that means. That means after the problem, the people of God were better than before the problem. I'm going to be honest with you. I've had questions just like everybody else. As a pastor, I have a lot of questions. Lord, what's going to happen after all this is over? Is our church going to be where it needs to be? Is our people going to be where they need to be? Are we going to be faithful again to worshiping the Lord and serving Him? Let me tell you what I'm trusting in. I think the same God who caused His people to be better after the problem than before the problem, right here in 2 Chronicles chapter 20, is the same God that can do that for us as well. I'm praying and I'm trusting that through this problem, God blesses and brings growth to his people. I ask you to pray for the same thing, to trust the same thing. And today, I want to do just like Jehoshaphat. I've already told you we're going to start praying and fasting. I'm calling a church-wide prayer and fasting time. You do as God leads you. I'll do as God leads me, but we're going to pray and fast together. Then let me tell you what we're going to do. We're going to praise. And I can't think of a better way to end these services today than just praise the Lord. Those guys going to come. We're going to have a time of praise together. Then we'll be dismissed. Again, thank you for joining us. Come back Wednesday night. Six o'clock for the book of Romans. Brother, sing for us. Let's worship together. Yes.